This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Psalm 23. I just want to read one verse in Psalm 23 at this point. You know it so well you could, re- you could repeat it by memory, I'm sure. Verse 2 says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I want to talk to you this morning about restoring our souls. And by that I am not particularly meaning in the sense of a backslider coming back to the Lord and being restored in that sense. That in and of itself truly is a wonderful thing. When a prodigal comes, returns to the Lord and to the Lord's house, then that is a reason to rejoice. But that's not my subject this morning. What I want to try to convey to you today is the restoring of our souls on a daily basis. On a daily basis. To be restored, to be refreshed, to be reinvigorated to be strengthened again and to be blessed because life has a way of depleting us it really has we constantly face the challenges of daily living we have our work perhaps we have our businesses we have our responsibilities maybe we're married perhaps we have children and uh, you know if you have children then it's a constant responsibility even into adulthood, no matter what age they are, they're still your kids, aren't they? And so the vicissitudes of life are common to everybody. We all face stresses and strains and pressures of life. Maybe we're dealing with sicknesses. Uh, Maybe we're dealing with financial reversals, all kinds of things. The list is endless. And because of all those areas that we either consciously or unconsciously or even subconsciously that we're having to deal with continually, it's not surprising that we get somewhat depleted and sometimes even a little deflated uh, each day. Therefore, our spiritual and physical batteries need recharging every day. Physically, of course, uh, we need food, Uh, We need rest, we need sleep, we need water, we need to take a little bit of a break. And sometimes that means having a little bit of a holiday, uh, a little vacation from time to time uh, so that we uh, we can stop the routine and we can enjoy the new. And sometimes we need to break the routine and enjoy what's new. There are moments, of course, whenever you'll be looking perhaps at a beautiful mountain scene or maybe you're sitting on a beach and you're listening to the wash of the waves on the shore or perhaps you're enjoying a sunset or maybe a sunrise. And in those moments, in those quiet moments, uh, perhaps you feel that you are literally being refreshed, reinvigorated and restored uh, physically and maybe, who knows, maybe even spiritually as well. As David sat in those green pastures, as he rested beside the still waters, he felt that his soul was being restored. Uh, 
as he contemplated the goodness of God and he thought about how God had blessed him continually, then he was invigorated, he was lifted up, he was encouraged, and he was blessed. Of course, being the king of Israel was no easy job. I mean, every single day there was probably great crucial decisions that would have to be made. It would require lots of courage and inner strength and wisdom. <laughs> a whole nation had to be led. When David was just a boy, he had a little flock, his father's flock, but now he's the shepherd of Israel. He's got a whole nation, and there's battles to be fought, and there's wars to be won. And so there was times when he, he felt he needed his soul to be refreshed, to be replenished, to be restored. And we're no different. We're not kings in that sense, and maybe we don't have those great national responsibilities, but nevertheless... And whatever responsibilities we have, whatever capacity we serve in secular life or in spiritual life, there are definitely times every day when we need some restoration. In Psalm 51 and 12, David cries out, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. In Psalm 51, he had lost the joy of his salvation through his own foolishness, through his own sinfulness. And Nehemiah said, it's the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so he had lost his strength and he had lost his joy. And he was crying unto God to restore it unto me. I, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to live like this. I want your joy and I want your strength in my life. He needed restoration. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling a little deflated, a little depleted. And you come to the house of God and maybe in your heart you're saying, God, I need strength. I need encouraged. And Lord, I need lifted up. I need blessed. And we trust that today that will happen for you. So what are the things that restores our souls in that sense? Well, first of all, friendships and fellowship helps to restore our souls. David had Jonathan. Jonathan, as you know, was Saul, King Saul's son. And Jonathan knew that even though he was literally next in line for the throne, that God had bypassed him and gone to David, and he knew that David was going to be the rightful king. But in spite of that, he loved David dearly and deeply and did everything in his power to be a blessing to him. Proverbs 18, 24, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. Whenever Jonathan first met David, whenever David came back from the slaying of Goliath, and he had Goliath's head in his hand, and he had to meet with King Saul and, and talk to him. And Jonathan was there. Uh, it tells us in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, And it came to pass that when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And so in that moment, there was a connection between these two. Uh, and it was a spiritual connection, and it was a, 
a physical connection in the sense that he greatly admired this young man because Jonathan was a brave soldier. He was a warrior. And he felt there was a kindred spirit in David. And immediately they clicked. And it's not everybody you meet that that happens to. You go through life and there's just a handful of people that you click with, that you feel an affinity with, that you feel close to that you feel good in their company, that you want to be with them and they want to be with you. And that's what it was like with David and Jonathan. And, and it restored his soul from time to time because you remember how Saul wanted to kill David, how he was intensely, insanely jealous of David. Whenever the woman shouted that Saul has slain his thousands, but David has ten thousands, and it says that Saul eyed David forward from that day forward, wanted to kill him but it was through Jonathan that David's life was spared on a couple of occasions. And so you can see there was a great uh, kindred spirit between them. Uh, and anyway, over in 1 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26, whenever Saul and, and Jonathan were finally killed in battle with the Philistines, and the word came back to David, David said, I am distressed for you, my, bro my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been unto me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of woman. Passing the love of woman. There was something that was deep. There was something that was spiritual. This is not talking about a carnal thing, by the way. Some liberal preachers has kind of intimated there was more going on here. Well, there wasn't. Of course there wasn't. But there was something that was precious and deep and spiritual and emotional in every way that these two had joined together. And what a blessing that was to David through the rest of his life. He could always look back and he surely desperately missed Jonathan in his life and even blessed Jonathan's son Mephibosheth later on in life. The apostle Paul, he valued friendships. He valued having fellowship. And away over there in, in, in 2 Timothy, let me just read this here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and in love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how in many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Whoever Onesiphorus was, he became a great friend of the Apostle Paul. And whatever occasion he could find, he refreshed him in spirit. And no doubt in body probably brought him food and brought encouragements and brought him nourishment. But he says, he often refreshed me. Even the great Apostle Paul needed that restoring in his soul. He needed those moments when he felt encouraged and blessed and strengthened uh, by others. And he had Silas and traveled with Silas. And he had Timothy. And for a while he had Luke. 
and a little band around him. And no doubt when they went around Asia Minor in different places, there was great camaraderie between them and great fellowship, and they could refresh each other. And all of us, all of us need something uh, to refresh us and to encourage us uh, from time to time. Even Philemon, his, his business Christian friend, uh, his brother in the Lord, who refreshed him again and again. You can read in Philemon in verse 7, you can see that. And Timothy was a true son in the faith. And so the great apostle, spiritually as he was, a mighty, mighty apostle of God that he was for sure, yet he needed and felt the need to have companionship and fellowship and friendship around him because there was times when almost everybody left him and deserted him except a few, and those few were such a blessing uh, to him. Apart from the immediate disciples that Jesus had, there was one family that stood out from the rest, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and how he loved to go to their home. And whenever he would go to their home, he felt at home in their home. It's not everybody that you can do that with, sure it's not. All of us are some close friends, and if you go to their home, you feel at home in their home. And that's the way Jesus felt in this home. He loved these three. They were just a, a lovely, beautiful, warm, friendly family. And even the very Son of God, he needed people to be like that and to be with him. You know, he was disappointed, was he not, in the Garden of Gethsemane whenever he brought Peter, James, and John with him. And he says, I'm going a little further to pray. You just stay here and watch with me. And of course, he did that three times, and every time he came back, they were asleep. Could you not watch with me just one hour? <laughs> I'm not asking much, just one hour. I really need you, fellas. I need you guys. I need you to be with me here. I'm struggling. I'm sweating great drops of blood, and you're sleeping. No doubt he was disappointed. But he needed the friendship of others. Wanted it, enjoyed it. And so as human beings, we, we have friendships, we have family, we have fellowship. That's why we join clubs, we join fraternities, we become part of peer groups. We want to be around like-minded people because God built into us the need for that. And what a blessing that can be when you're surrounded by the right type of people. You get refreshed in your spirit. It really is true what God said in Genesis 2, 18, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helpmate comparable to him. I don't know where, you, well, somebody's probably not young enough to remember, but years and years ago, uh, there was Brian Keenan, there was Terry Waite, and there was a fellow John, I forget his, his name, there's three of them, and they were captured out there in the Middle East and they were in solitary confinement. One was in solitary confinement for five years. Can you imagine? Five years. And, and, if, and if you read their books, and I read uh, Keenan's book, and it was a great insight to trying to hold it together without human companionship for five years. Incredible thing to do. And, and the desperate need to have someone, just another human being, just to talk to, just to hear their voice. And we need that. And so we need friendship. We need fellowship to restore our souls. But we need 
the precious word of God. I cannot emphasize enough to you today how desperately we need the precious word of God. If your soul is ever going to have some restoration, if it's been depleted and a little deflated and maybe even defeated, you feel, you need the word of God to encourage. Psalm 119, 25, Psalmist says, my soul clings to the dust. That's pretty low, isn't it? He was really down that day when he wrote that. My soul clings to the dust. Somebody said they were so low if, you had to, if he died, you'd have to jack him up to bury him. That's pretty low, isn't it? Somebody else says he felt so low he could look a snake in the eye. And sometimes you feel low, don't you? I cling to the dust, he said. But then he says, revive me according to your word. David resorted again and again and again to the word. In verse 28, he says, my soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Psalm 119, verse 107. I'm afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. One verse 159. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. And so when you feel a little bit depleted, go to the word of God, read it, meditate on it, ask God for a promise in it. It's full of promises. And say, Lord, I need strengthened by your word today. Show me a promise. Give me an encouragement. Show me a word. And I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will find one for you. He knows exactly what you need and what to give you. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Can you say that about God's word today? From the moment I got saved, I had no idea in the world I would ever be doing what I'm doing today. But from the very moment I got saved, I immersed myself in God's word. I couldn't get enough of it. I would read it and read it and read it and read it and read it continually. I loved it. I didn't understand much of it then, truly. I'm still trying to understand a lot of it today, but I loved it. It was food for me. It was nourishment for me. It fed my soul. It refreshed me. It encouraged me. It challenged me. It did all those things. And so I ask you today, for your soul's sake, get into the Word of God. You say, David, I struggle a bit when I go to read it and understand it. Ask the Holy Spirit who's in you to enlighten you. He's the author. And no better one to explain to you than the author who wrote this. Yes, he used human instrumentality, but it came via the Spirit of God. So ask the Holy Spirit, please show me, encourage me, help me to see this and understand it. And I guarantee you, he will, because he wants you to see it. He wants you to know and understand it. And when you get that, then you get refreshed. Every day, well, there are exceptions, of course, but every day, try to get something of the Word of God into your soul because it will build you and strengthen you. And then thirdly, having personal times 
of devotion. Take time out every day. It may include a time of prayer, of worship, of reading the word, maybe reading a good devotional, some spiritually stimulating material, and there's tons of it out there. This is absolutely essential for you to step back on your own, quietly, whether it's in your car, whether you go for a walk, or in your room, in your home, wherever it may be, but just take moments to be alone with the Lord in devotion to him and to read the word and to pray and to seek his face and to meditate and to worship. And maybe you put on a, a worship track in your car or something as you're driving along, but just in those moments, just to restore your soul because every day we are bombarded with stuff from this world every single day, isn't it? It comes at us in, in ordinary, everyday conversation. You're walking down the street and you hear it. Some of the foul language I hear walking down the street sometimes would shock you. I've heard it in Bull Street, Lisbon many a time. And I thought to myself, when you hear that stuff, and some of you maybe have jobs, and I used to have, where you get that continually, you desperately need to have those moments away from that and just to be in the presence of God. Yeah. Well, there's none of that, and just to seek the Lord. Jesus had his favorite spots where he liked to go. Mount of Olives was one of them, wasn't it? And particularly the Garden of Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives. And that was the place where he resorted to again and again. There was something about that area, that garden, where he felt he could be alone where he could even just be among those olive trees, nobody there, maybe at the close of an evening or maybe early in the morning. And it was there that Judas took those soldiers to arrest him because he knew that's where he would be. That's where he always was. If you're looking for him, his disciples, his inner circle, knew that's where you'll find him. Go to Gethsemane. He'll be there praying. He'll be there with his father. And that's where he was. Sometimes he'd go up the mountain. Sometimes he wanted to get in a boat and go to the other side just to be away sometimes from people, just to be alone with the Father. And so we all need this. Listen, this is just ABC stuff this morning. There's nothing big or something you don't know. We just need to be reminded to do it. Because I guarantee that this past week, some of the stuff you went through depleted your soul a little bit. And that's why you need to do this. Psalm 23, of course, is a classic, isn't it? It's been sung for thousands of years. Psalm 27 is another one of David's great psalms. And we know that he wrote it, but we don't know the circumstances that he wrote it, uh, when he wrote it. Some say it was when he was on the run from Saul. Some say it was when he was on the run from his treacherous son Absalom. Some say it was whenever Doeg the Edomite slandered him before Saul. But whenever it was, or however it came about, it's a wonderful psalm. It's a great song. And we know that he was in trouble. He was in 
adversity at this time. He had problems of plenty. In verse 2 and 3 of Psalm 27, he was hounded by his enemies. In verse 4, he was cut off from the house of the Lord. In verse 10, he had family problems. In verse 12, he has been lied about and threatened. His life was threatened. But yet in spite of all of his disappointments and his fears and his doubts and his setbacks, he had an unquenchable faith an unquenchable desire for the house of the Lord. David longed for, loved, delighted in the house of the Lord. He loved it. In verse 4, he says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It's hard to dig some people out to church once a month. David wanted to be in it every day. Psalm 26 and 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 84, 1 and 2, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. He couldn't wait to get there. Verse 4, blessed are those, this is Psalm 84, blessed for, uh, verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. <laughs> in Psalm 69 and 9, he says, because the zeal of your house has eaten me up. You know, whenever Jesus cast those money changers out of the temple, and he was angry, and he kicked over their tables and he whipped them out and shouted at them. This is to be a house of prayer and you made it of a den of thieves. And these disciples that said, and they remembered the words, going back to the psalm, that the zeal of your house has eaten me up. Are you zealous for the house of the Lord? I hope so. I love God's house. I loved God's house before I ever became a pastor. <laughs> Every time the door was open, I was there. I loved it. Psalm 27, 4, he said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One thing. It was so important to him. It became a thing that he really, really made a priority. Paul said this one thing I do. Jesus says, hi, I'm straightened until this, what I need to do, until this is accomplished. <laughs> All their streams run into one river. Are there, is there one thing in your life? Is there something that really you must do, that you have to do, that you should do. Lots of things in David's life, but the one thing he really, really wanted to be was in the house of the Lord. Verse 4, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David was a king, he was a warrior, he was a prophet, a singer, a musician, a composer, a songwriter, but David would have gladly traded all of those to be a priest. The one thing he couldn't be because he wasn't of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Judah. He'd have given up all of that 
just to be a priest where he could serve in the house of the Lord forever. That's how passionate he was. He was a warrior by hand, but he was a worshiper by heart. He loved the presence of God and he wanted to dwell in his presence all his days. Verse 4, he says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. What is the beauty of the Lord that he's speaking about? It's his character. It's his nature. It's his ways. It's the very essence of who he is. It's his mercy. It's his love. It's his grace. It's his faithfulness. It's his holiness. That's the character. That's the nature of God. That's the beauty of the Lord. John 1.14, speaking of Jesus, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you come to the house of the Lord? Try to look for the beauty of the Lord in the house of the Lord. Try to look for it in the worship. Try to look for it in the word. Try to look for it in prayer. Try to look for it in fellowship. Look for the nature and the character and the ways of the Lord in the house of the Lord. And if you do, you'll find it. I was telling somebody recently, my eldest sister told me, she said, you know, and she was a pastor's wife for years and he was evangelist for years and they traveled for years around different churches and fellowships. And she says, it wasn't all good. She says, sometimes... I would go to the house of the Lord and, and maybe the word wasn't as good as it should have been or maybe the worship wasn't as encouraging as it should have been. But she says, here's what I did. She says, I learned to do this. She says, I would stand there and I would, in my mind, I would draw a circle around me and say, Lord, here's my space today. And no matter what's happening, I'm here to worship you and I'm here to listen to your word. And she says, that's what I'm going to do. No matter what level it's at, that's what I'm going to do. No matter what anybody else is going to do, that's what I'm going to do. And she says, when I did that, I guarantee, she says, then I enjoyed the worship and I enjoyed the word. Because she says, I made up my mind that that day, that's what I was going to do. Verse 4 says, and to inquire in his temple. You know, it's okay when you come to the house of the Lord if you've got a need or you need an answer, or you need wisdom. It's okay to ask the Lord to inquire in his temple. It's okay to come with your needs and your problems. <laughs> it's okay to come to look for an answer and a solution and an encouragement and a strengthening and a help. It's okay. You should do that. And you come to get built up in your most holy faith. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. I've looked for you in the sanctuary. I went looking for you in the house of the Lord. What better place to find them than right here in the house of the Lord? This is why we meet, isn't it? To meet with the Lord. Yes, we meet with each other. There's a lot of stuff goes on, but we meet with the Lord. In Psalm 73, the psalmist Asaph 
He was looking at the world around him, and it seemed to be, he said, he says, there's no bonds in their death. He says, they're all prospering, and look at me. He was David's choir director. He was the worship leader, and he was looking at the world around him, and, and it seemed to be they were better off than he was. And he was depressed and deflated until he went into the house of God. And then he says, when I thought how to understand that it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. <laughs> yes, it may seem like they're doing wonderful out there, but I see their end, and it's not so wonderful. And I look at me, and I'm struggling, but I see my end, and it is wonderful. Never be jealous of the world out there because they're lost. And they're going to a lost eternity. We're blessed and we're found and we're going to the glory. <coughs> Hallelujah. There's something unique, special, profound, spiritual about attending God's house. Not every Christian understands that. That's why they continually miss. They miss the point of the house of God. They don't get it. They go when it's convenient, when they feel like it, when there's nothing else to do. And they entirely miss the reason for the house of God. God has a reason for us being together regularly. There's a reason for it. So unless we're housebound, unless through illness or necessary work requirement, or from time to time, holidays, Apart from that, we should make it our business to be in the house of God continually, to be refreshed in our spirit and to be instructed in the things of God. We need to hear the things of God and to be taught. Yes, you should teach yourself. Yes, you should have your own times at home. Yes, you should read your Bible. Yes, you should study it yourself, absolutely. But when you come to the house of God, you come to hear it, expound it, and explained, and shared, so that you can think about it, and it feeds your soul and blesses you. That's what it's supposed to do. It's a place of corporate worship. Lovely to worship on your own as you drive in the car, whatever. Wonderful. But there's nothing like being together as people of God, worshiping together. God wants that. He looks for that. It's a place of accountability. Lots of Christians don't want to be accountable. They just want to do what they want to do. Don't bother me, please. God means okay, so I just want to do my thing. No, no, that's not the kingdom of God. <laughs> no, no. We're accountable to each other. That's what church is too. Training for service. Getting us built up in our most holy faith. Ready for our week ahead that we're blessed, that we're strengthened, that we're knowledgeable, that if somebody comes to us, we'll know what to say. Well, I've got the word deep in her heart. So, he restores my soul. Get your soul restored every day, personally, privately, and then come to the house of God corporately, and let's get our souls restored on a weekly basis. Amen? And I trust and I hope and I believe that when you come to the house, this house, throughout the year, maybe we don't head it every week, 
whether it's me or some of the other guys preaching, but I trust that you're going to get something for your soul that will encourage you, that you can remember that when you go out into your working week, it will come back to you when you need it the most. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit and that your Word strengthens us on the inside. And whenever we feel down or discouraged, Lord, your Word and your Spirit encourages and lifts up. And whenever we come together, O oh God, as your people to worship you, to extol you as one people, Lord, what a blessing that is to you, but what a blessing it is to us. It strengthens and encourages our very souls. So we give you thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.